Sorry. That feels a bit better. <laughs> it's really lovely to be with you this morning. It's really strange, isn't it, when you live right next door, but you've never been into somebody else's house, and it feels a bit like that. I'm in the next door parish, but I've, I've just realised I haven't even turned the microphone on. That might help. Is that better? And I'll turn the other one off. See, I don't know how things work in this house. But yes, when you, you live right next door and you've never been inside somebody's house, it feels like that, being in the neighbouring parish, but I've never worshipped with you here, and it's really lovely to be with you this morning. And what fabulous scriptures you've had read this morning. What fabulous scriptures to be preaching from today. Scriptures that, that speak of freedom and of love. Scriptures that speak of encounter with God. I wonder how those words make you feel, freedom and love. What feelings do they invoke for you? Do you get just a whiff of excitement, a taste of the kingdom, a beckoning of life, life in all its fullness? We love those stories, don't we, where our heroes follow the call of freedom and love. The story of St. Francis, who turns away from the comforts and obligations of a wealthy family, who embraces lady poverty in a life of simplicity and service. We delight in his courage, his single-heartedness. And we, even today, are enjoying the goodness of the fruit from his life. And then there's the story of Saint Ignatius of Loyola, again turning away from wealth and grandeur. Forced by injury, a soldier stopped in his tracks, bedridden with more time to think than anyone would want. Maybe some of us know what that's like. With seemingly little choice, but in that time of being stopped in his tracks, he learns the movements of the inner life, the choices that we make inwardly. And he discovers a path marked by freedom and love through discernment, guided by what has come to be known as the first principle and foundation as we turn to his spiritual exercises. And I'm going to read what his first principle and foundation was that he discovered to be the linchpin of his life. Man and woman, I'll hasten to add, is created to praise, reverence and serve God our Lord and by this means to save his soul. The other things on the face of the earth are created to help him... Is it possible to turn this down? Because I can't really turn my voice down very well, I'm afraid. The other things on the face of the earth are created for man and woman to help them in attaining the end for which they are created. 
Hence, they are to make use of them in as far as they help them in attainment of the end and must rid themselves of them in as far as they prove a hindrance to them. Therefore, we must make ourselves indifferent to all created things as far as we are allowed free choice. So as far as we are concerned, we should not prefer health to sickness, riches to poverty, honour to dishonour, a long life to a short life. The same holds for all other things. Our one desire and choice should be for what is more conducive to the end for which we are created. We are created to praise, reverence and serve God our Lord and by this means to save our souls. We learn from St Ignatius of the changing of a life through those small inward movements, those turnings and returnings, so that bit by bit we are formed and reformed into the ways of freedom and love, the ways of Jesus. In this journey of following of Jesus, we are called to make choices. Sometimes choices are made by others, that do things to us. And the choice then, like much of our lives, is how do we respond? In our Hebrew scripture passage this morning, we heard of Elijah's account, actually we didn't hear of Elijah's encounter with God, but we heard of Elijah setting out with that cloak that he had covered his face with at that point of God passing by, And he sets out from there. He found Elisha, who was plowing. There were 12 yoke of oxen ahead of him, and he was with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him, and he threw his cloak over him. And Elisha left the oxen, ran after Elijah, and said, Let me go and kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. Then Elijah said to him, go back, for what have I done to you? What have I done to you? And Elisha returned and followed him. He took the yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, using the equipment from the oxen. He boiled their flesh and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out and followed Elijah and became his servant. There's an extraordinary immediacy about this response, isn't there? Elijah has done something to him. Elisha was out of control. He was just minding his own business. He was in his normal workplace. He was doing what he did with the stuff that he had, and he had loads of it. They were wealthy. They were big farmers. They were, you know, the big posh duchy farmers, or whatever they are in Gloucestershire. They were, they were the big ones. And yet, Elijah throws that cloak over him and immediately he responds. There's an absoluteness, an urgency, and he literally burns his bridges. He takes those big wooden yokes that were holding those oxen together, that were plowing the fields, and he sets them on fire. Can you imagine 12 of those burning? And they have this most massive barbecue 
They kill the oxen, they burn the, the yokes, and he throws this massive leaving party. There's no going back. It would have been a fire that could have been visible from miles away. It was a public declaration. Apparently, the Vikings, when they arrived somewhere, those great warriors, the leaders of the pack would set fire to the boats on the shore, a big public declaration of their intent. There's something similar in this. This was a huge public declaration. No going back. No going back. So off Elisha goes, leaving massive, massive implications for those who are left behind. He was responding to God's call. He was demonstrating this extraordinary freedom this extraordinary love is he committed himself to the service of Elijah and ultimately the service of God. A bit like St. Francis, this was a big external physical movement in response to God's call. I've no idea whether you've had any experience of that in your lives, whether you personally, individually, or maybe as a church community, can recall those moments in your lives where you've responded with such freedom to the call of love, physically moving away from family, maybe country, maybe all that's familiar. People who've travelled from one side of the world to another, they've burnt their bridges. I've no idea what this might look like for you now, whether that resonates with you at all, that call that call to freedom and love, the call of Jesus to live, to life in all its fullness. Given your recent experience, I certainly I know of Ruth having gone and done her spiritual exercises and come back and left, perhaps you can relate more easily to those who were left behind those of Elisha's family and the community that were dependent upon him, dependent upon the oxen that were ploughing the fields, dependent on the wheat or whatever it was that was going to be grown to feed them. And they had every reason to be annoyed, really annoyed, because Elisha had not only given up his responsibilities and walked away from those who had loved and nurtured him, walked away from those well-established relationships, those ways of being, those normal social obligations, but it had actually destroyed the very means of them simply getting a replacement and carrying on, hadn't he? That bonfire, why? Why did he do it? And this is difficult. It's very, very difficult. And this is perhaps where St. Ignatius can help us, can help those of us who feel left behind in the wake of someone else's call to freedom and love. Those left behind in the wake of someone else's giving up of responsibilities. Those of us left behind as what we thought were secure and honoured obligations are shunned. You see, for us, 
It may be that the journey isn't so much an external physical leaving and following. There may be no physical burning of bridges. And yet there is still a very real journey to be made, a journey of the heart. A response of the heart to the call of Jesus, whatever situation we find ourselves in, whatever has been done to us. We all have choices, choices to make in how we respond. We have responsibilities. We are invited to follow in the way of freedom and love in the middle of the realities of our ordinary day-to-day lives, whether that be as individuals, families or church communities. Paul reminds the church in Galatia, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. He reminds them to use their freedom for service. He reminds them to love their neighbour as they love themselves. He reminds them to love one another. And he warns them it will be a struggle. And he gets really specific about what to look out for, or rather what to take a stand against. He also encourages the church with what to expect as the fruit of lives formed by the Spirit in the way of Christ. The fruit of the Spirit, that good fruit. The fruit of the life of St. Francis. The fruit of the lives of followers of Jesus. The love, joy, peace, patience, (coughs) kindness, gentleness, self-control. Lives marked by joy, love and freedom. So much. So these scriptures... They speak to us at many, many levels. They help to shape our lives. They help to make sense of the lives of those we love and have lost. They reveal to us the God who calls, the God who calls us into the ways of freedom and love, the God who shows us what that looks like in the person of Jesus the one who says, follow me.